and thank you so much for tuning in. This is Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs and I'm a proud ambassador for Endometriosis Australia and I've created this podcast to help increase awareness for this illness that affects one in nine Australians. It's getting the conversation out there about endometriosis. So please share this with your friends, your family, your work colleagues. There's so many episodes we've had previously, including catching up with specialists, uh, dietitians, pelvic floor specialists, you name it, we've spoken to them. So check out all the episodes. And right now, I'd like to introduce our guest for this episode. She is one of the Endometriosis Australia ambassadors. Her name is Ash Ricardo, and she's an award-winning actor, writer and voiceover artist. She's best played for playing Carrie Green in Network 10's Offspring. Also on her resume, she's been in Home and Away, Rescue Special Ops, Tricky Business. Uh, There's old school party tricks, even packed to the rafters. She's really had quite an intense battle with endometriosis over the years. Here is the wonderful Ash Ricardo. Hi, Ellie. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being an ambassador for Endo Australia. We would love to know, where does your endo journey begin? Ooh, okay. Um, well, I think sadly, like so many of us, um, when I was quite young, 13 years old, horrendous pain, um, but like all of us told that it was normal, you know, told to take painkillers and hot water bottles and a day off school pretty much every month. Um, luckily, my mum let me because she also suffered from terrible period pain and as did my aunts. And yeah, so just just told it was normal for years and years and years. And then when I was about 16 or 17, I had an ovarian cyst uh, burst, which was so painful, um, ended up in hospital. And I remember back then there was sort of chat about, look, she could possibly have this thing called endometriosis. I was like, what the hell is that? Um, and my mom at the time was like, okay, well, we'll just sort of monitor it. Um, cause I didn't have like extreme symptoms. There was just kind of a few and because we knew there was some family history of it, but then my mom and my dad, sadly around the age of 16, both got really sick with cancer and that sort of took up a really long, uh, like many years we battled. Um, mom had a brain tumor and my dad got a saliva gland cancer And so it was just years of surgeries and chemo and um, sadly we lost mum when I was 21 and um, my dad luckily, thank goodness, is still here today. But I guess in terms of endometriosis and the pain and stuff that I had at that time and it was sort of put on the back, you know, the back of all of our minds um, for many years. So it wasn't until I was about 26 when it was just unbearable Um, that I decided to get back on that sort of path of trying to find out what was actually going on. Wow, Ash, you have been through so much, losing your mum when you're only 21, your dad going through cancer, and then you being in constant pain. When you eventually got that diagnosis of you've got endometriosis, that must have been a big weight off your shoulders. Well, yeah, because I mean, I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen quickly. I mean, 26 was when I started going to doctors again. And I mean, I went through so many different, like, doctors I think a gynecologist was probably last on the list um I went to uh like colorectal surgeons I had a lot of bowel symptoms and stuff so I thought there was something going on there so yeah it actually took a lot of time and money to get to the point where uh surgery was sort of suggested Mm. um so it was 2017 when I finally had the surgery so I was 31. Wow it's such a long time yeah so yeah yeah like over 10 years Uh, 
you know, the medical system in Australia, we're so lucky. Mm. It's actually incredible. But yes, yeah, sadly, it does take that long. Um, and, you know, the thing that I think put me off and a lot of women off was that the only way to get the proper diagnosis, you know, like the actual definitive diagnosis was to do the surgery. And mm. I was terrified. I mean, I'd watch my mum have these horrendous surgeries and then my dad. Every time I stepped in a hospital, it was like, you know, anxiety inducing. So, um, and expensive. So I put it off for a very long time. I guess it just became, I think the the fear of the unknowns about what was going on in my body became greater than the fears I had around the surgery in the end. And I ended up just doing it and finding out um, I had stage three and adenomyosis. Adenomyosis, yes. The (laughs) endo cousin that many... I always struggle with how to say that. (laughs) Yeah, so do I. Adenomyosis, yes. So you you got the double whammy. Yeah, so that was that was cool, and some cysts, some six centimeter cysts or something, and um, so. But you know what? I woke up from that surgery like so many women do, and I felt relieved. Mm. I felt like I wasn't crazy anymore because I, I it got to the point where some doctors that I spoke to were like, you know, maybe you've been through a lot with your family and stuff. This could be anxiety, you know, um, your personality type basically saying that the pain could be in my head. I was put on, I think I was sent to a pain specialist in 2015 and was put on antidepressants and Lyrica. Oh my gosh. That's hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Okay. So this is just it now. Like I just put up with this pain. Nobody knows what it is. It's probably just in my head. I I got told I might have a low pain threshold. Um, So when that diagnosis came in 2017, I I just felt relieved and I just remember crying like I was still, you know, pretty groggy from the um, medication. But I just remember the doctor saying, yep, we found this and just having a reason for that pain. I felt like even for my partner, he'd been so patient and wonderful and supportive. But for him to have answers too (laughs) was just like huge. Um, And to have a little bit more clarity around what was going on in my body moving forward with, cause we wanted to start a family. We'd mm. had a couple of miscarriages before I had the diagnosis. So I had a lot of fear, um, even going into pregnancy, uh, you know, just, just didn't know what was going to happen if I was just going to keep having miscarriages or yeah. So it was pretty, um, incredible to, um, you know, I think the doctor said after the surgery, there was sort of a six month window where your fertility kind of, higher I think yeah one doctor described like a garden bed and if you get you know put all the right you know get all the I can't remember but like it was it was a good analogy at the time but I don't want to mess it up but basically it was to do with inflammation I think being lowered and just they removed a lot of the endo and stuff Mm. and well I didn't have as much pelvic pain or any pain actually after that with periods it was just incredible um so you actually enjoy your sex life for the first time. I think mm. I'd had so much pain in the past. I didn't know it could be actually enjoyable, uh, which is really sad. But um, I was really lucky that in that six-month window, we fell pregnant naturally with my son, Jamison. Oh, you lucky thing. Um, <laughs> so lucky. I'm so grateful that, that we got to, yeah, we got to experience that. And I guess there's you live with that thing of, you know, I've been warned that it could grow back. Mm other side of pregnancy so with each cycle I feel you know (laughs) you just feel all the little things coming back and like the ovulation pain coming back and the you know the first day of each period now is a lot more full-on and I'm like oh gosh okay you know I I just it just makes me sad that we still kind of don't know 
how to stop it from growing. Like it's just this thing that just the doctors and, and researchers are working so hard to find out what it is mm. that causes this. And we just don't have that information. Yeah, it's still so, so many things unknown about yeah. it. Yeah, and just that it's sort of you just kind of get told you do these surgeries and like, and yeah, it'll probably come back. And you're like, oh, is there something I can take? I mean, there's diet things and lifestyle things you can do that definitely help. But yeah, just this kind of thing that you go, oh, okay, that's probably just something that's going to keep coming back. And then I keep doing surgeries. Is that, yeah. It doesn't seem like a, a good lifestyle no. to be living every couple of years. You go in, it's like a frequent flyer card. You get that stamped when you go in yeah. and have your laparoscopy. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I, I think you know, I'm, I'm really lucky that I got to have a baby. And, and But I, I do think, you know, for years, uh, when I was really young, I think when, I think 25, 26 uh, and endometriosis was sort of the thing that was being thrown around in rooms that I could possibly have I was sort of shocked at how many doctors sort of said well you could have a baby um and that might you know help your symptoms and I'm like that's a really I felt that that was a little bit irresponsible to say you know I wasn't in the relationship that I'm in now and that as a as a soul wasn't I I just didn't feel was um great (laughs) and I've, I've had friends who've recently been diagnosed with endo and They've been told similar things, which I just kind of think that shouldn't be something that we're telling women to as a salt because it doesn't help everyone actually. And um, yeah, it you don't know what the woman's circumstances are around if they even want to have children. Absolutely. I've been, mm. I've been in the exact same position where the doctor yeah, said to me, uh, well, you, here's your biological clock and well, you should have a baby. That'll fix it. I just yeah. looked at him. And this is when I'd first started dating my husband. Now, husband, I'm just thinking... <sighs> Why to throw a bloody real yeah. curveball up into our new relationship of talking yeah. babies and wow, you know, and if only it were that simple of, you know, boiling the kettle and that's how easy it is, you know, like making two oh, minute noodles. Exactly. It's not that simple. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You've been through an incredible journey, such a long time waiting for that answer and the feelings of, is it all in my head? Am I crazy? So many endo warriors I speak to feel the exact same way. Yeah. For someone who's going through that at the moment, they haven't had the official diagnosis yet and they're going to doctors and various specialists and they're getting that, that uh, it's mm. all in your head. What would your mm-hmm. piece of advice be around handling something like that? Look, I would say definitely trust and listen to your body. You know what's normal for you um, and get as informed as you can from credible sources like endo, the Endometriosis Australia website, Facebook, Instagram, this podcast, um, and tap into the endo community that's in Australia. It's, in, it's an incredibly supportive one I've found, but also it makes you feel like you're not alone. So I remember, yeah, tapping into it in the beginning before I'd had my surgery when I was terrified of getting that laparoscopy. I was so scared. Mm. But I remember reading stories of other women and I just kept seeing more and more similarities between what I'd been going through and the length of time I'd been going through it. And I'd had so many things. I mean, what is lucky about our health system is I'd had so many tests and scans, which we're lucky enough to get in this country. And I'd had a lot of things ruled out, like very sinister things. So the tests were coming back pretty clear, which was actually a positive, but for my mental health, it wasn't because I was like, why aren't I getting answers? You know, like more and more was leading to it being in my head. But I guess when I, yeah, got onto the website and was reading these women's stories and stuff, I was like, okay, I think I know what I've got to do. 
And um, it was a really great support. You're an actor, you're a writer, you're a voiceover artist. We know you from um, Network 10's Offspring. You played Kerry in that show. You've also popped up in like Home and Away and Packed to the Rafters, all yeah. these shows. So, you know, you're working in the entertainment industry. Did you have days where you should be filming but physically you couldn't get out of bed or oh you really were on set and you're in a lot of pain <laughs> oh and, and you can't have yeah. those conversations? Like how, is you, how have you handled that work environment? Oh, it's so full on. I feel like for years I've been the girl like people joke about it like my friends and colleagues and stuff but I'm always the girl with a pain like and years before I knew I had a label for it it was always like oh she's got a pain she's on the floor again like she's and it just it's such a boring I hated being that person like it's so oh it was I remember distinctly doing a show at um for Sydney Theatre Company a theatre show at the Opera House in Sydney and um it was a really fast-paced uh, comedy called Noises Off and I had to be in lingerie um, and anyone with endo and endo flare-ups knows like the days where you get the belly where it looks like you're four months pregnant like just yeah. the, the bloating and you know we do eight shows a week for months um, and the show must go on it doesn't stop for anything we didn't have understudies so you can't have sick days and I remember distinctly being in a dressing room of the Sydney Opera House in my dressing room, just huddled up on the floor with a heat pack in my lingerie that I had to get on stage <laughs> and just had this belly that looked like I was pregnant and just being in absolute agony, but too scared to take, because codeine, like Panadol doesn't even touch the sides for my period pain. Mm, yeah. Um, I need coding. I need the hard stuff. Um, and, but I was too scared to take codeine because that can make your, your brain feel foggy. And I had to do this play and I wanted to remember my lines. I didn't want to make any mistakes. Um, and so I, I just remember being too scared to take medication that would get me out of the pain, but also like in too much pain to get off the floor to actually go on the stage and do this show for two and a half hours or whatever it was. Really high energy. Um, and you just have to do it. You do. You, you, you push like, through. Yeah, it's I like that was like a five-minute call. It's like all actors stage. And I was just like, how the hell am I actually going to do this? And then the adrenaline, something kicks in and the show must go on. And it's been the same for TV shows, you know. Oh, I've, so many times I've been, yeah, waiting to go on set just with heat packs and, and pretty medicated. And I can pick the scenes when I watch things back. I'm like, I can see the scenes in Offspring or Party Tricks or Bike Club where I knew that day I was like doubled up two minutes before I was saying all those lines. <laughs> It is amazing. It's a weird job, yeah. <laughs> Your body goes into this fight or flight response it does. when it comes yeah. to endo pain. Like I've been having to work on the radio and all. It's like someone stabbing me right oh, in the belly, but I have 20 I seconds and, yeah. until I have to oh. talk. Well, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm blessed that no one has to see me and, and you know, I'm here in my pyjamas <laughs> kind of thing. But. Yep. Yeah, you know, other, but hard. other workplaces, well, and I hope they've been understanding too because I've heard horrible stories about endo warriors who've lost their jobs because their employees don't understand what's going on. Look, yeah, I, I mean, I feel for those people. I've been really lucky. Um, I mean, a lot of the time I haven't said anything, which is not great. You should be able to, I just, you just sort of battle on. Like you said, you just do it. Um, but whenever I have said something, um, especially on set uh, in television, I mean, the, the wardrobe girls are the ones with the hot water bottles. <laughs> so they've been my best friends and the makeup artists, you know, they, they help you in the morning and, um, you know, I've just, yeah, I've felt, I felt, I, especially in recent years where the awareness, endometriosis awareness is, I think, I feel like it's at its 
highest. Is that would I be correct in saying? I agree as well. I think yeah, the work that Endometriosis Australia mm. has done is incredible, and I feel like more than ever people know that word now. Um, and there's not as much stigma around it, so I feel like you can sort of say it at work and you know, you, you hope that everyone will be supportive. I've certainly found in recent years it's definitely something that I've had support around. When you do drop the endometriosis word, seeing people's reactions normally get, oh, I know someone with that. My cousin's got it oh, or my auntie's exactly. got it. Like it's yep. everyone's yep. got some sort of connection to this illness. Totally, yeah, which is which is awful. But um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just so happy now that, People don't feel as alone mm. and there's an understanding about it, which there wasn't years ago. It was always like, oh, this weird woman's disease that doesn't kill you. So it, must, it mustn't be that bad. Yeah, it's definitely not um, that bad. But, no. <laughs> yeah, but just it can absolutely ravage people's lives and their mental health. And um, I'm so glad it's getting a voice now. And there's still a lot more work to be done, but it feels like it's heading in the right direction. So you're feeling good at the moment? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there's... Again, I think I, I did feel better after the surgery and then after ha- having a pregnancy, I definitely had some relief for a couple of years. And I feel like, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's only been in the last sort of six months that I felt the cycles, like the pain sort of building again. <laughs> and my brain goes, oh, no, is it coming back? Am I going to have to have surgery again? Um, so, yeah, I'm just sort of monitoring, I guess. I don't, I don't think I'm at that stage yet. Um, but I have had a couple of tests recently um, that I've got to follow up with my um, gynecologist next week, actually. Oh, well, uh, fingers crossed. So hopefully, yeah, it's, but again, you know, we, we all know you can't see that much on necessarily on ultrasounds and, and MRI scans and stuff. You know, yeah. unfortunately you need to get in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I had an ultrasound last week and it was so frustrating because of course nothing shows up yeah. and you yeah. sit there looking at going, it's, there's, there's stuff there. Trust me, like if you cut or me open, press, it's all happening. You know, yeah, and they do that thing where they press on different parts to see if things are adhered. Oh, like isn't that the worst? Together and it's just so painful. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, and they're like, yeah, we're pressing on your left over, and you're like, oh my god. I know. I, <laughs> I can know. feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god. You have yeah. spoken a lot around the mental health side of this disease, and for anyone who has a chronic illness, do you speak to a psychologist? or a counsellor just to help you get through those hard times? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if it's been like there's been a flare up. Um, I definitely get, I highly recommend getting some support outside of your family and friends. Even if you feel like you've got a really great personal supportive network, um, getting that sort of outside professional to help you and give you some skills. I've just found so helpful. Um, and uh, most recently, I've finally, it's taken me a very long time, but finally um, really practicing meditation um, and and sort of um, just feeling the effects of it actually and how much it's changed my whole outlook and life and my ability to manage pain. Um, so I highly recommend um, if, yeah, if people have access to, I mean, there's so many great apps now for meditation um, I've been lucky enough to work with a um, a mindfulness coach recently, um, and it's oh, it's just been incredible. Can you recommend any apps off the top of your head? Um, I think Insight Time has been a good one, mm-hmm. and the Headspace one's been great. Mm. I think they're the two main ones I use. Yeah, I think you just need to be patient with it as well, because I've tried multiple times trying to do it, and it's like, oh, I'm just not getting it. 
and I get oh, well, really frustrated thing, and I think absolutely. it's absolutely I know and that thing where you your brain wanders and you start thinking about oh what have, what have I got to do after this I've got to after this appointment I've got to go here and I've got to get, what am I going to have for dinner and yes. you start doing that I think what I've learned recently my one teacher she said um just the very act of realizing that you're not in the moment pulls you into the moment so even if your whole session is just you going oh my god I'm not in the moment I'm thinking ahead and having that mo- that practice of catching yourself when you your brain starts to wander is actually the practice as unsatisfying and like but that actually each time you bring yourself back that's you training your brain and then you can do it for longer periods of time is what I found the fir- the fir- I was hilarious the first two sessions I had I was like this is ridiculous like I started getting anxious about the fact that I couldn't meditate like, and I was just in my head going oh my god this is never going to happen for me um, but once yeah I sort of had that as a little thing to hold on to that just just that bringing yourself back each time your brain wanders it might ha- might wander 50 times in the session but that act of doing that and and she was right now over time I've been doing it for a good sort of six months now this specific practice and I can't believe how that just doesn't happen as much and just each time and now I'll actually go like a full hour without it happening and it's the first time in my life I've been trying to do this for decades mm. <laughs> so I highly recommend sticking with it as okay. frustrating as it is all right well Ash Ricardo <laughs> you've motivated me because the fact you mentioned that your mind wanders to dinner when you're trying to meditate that oh, makes me feel absolutely. better about where my mind goes so it's I'm gonna totally give this a go good <laughs> It's an important question, you know. What am I going to have for dinner? Like, I want to make sure. Exactly, it's, <laughs> it's a vital question. Exactly. <laughs> and when you do have those pain flare-ups, which hopefully in the future you won't be having, what was your go-to other than the medical side of things? Was there a heat pack that would be your best friend? Yeah. A herbal yeah, tea. A big, what was your thing? Yes, I'm a big heat pack girl. Um, I love like the calming teas, the chamomiles. With the, there's some really nice. I think is it Pucker that brand Pucker. I love oh, the yes. chamomile. Oh yeah. It's like the chamomile and um, vanilla one. Um, I'm trying to stay away from sugar and stuff, but I was a big, like, on the first day of my period girl, I'd always, like, I love Nutella. <laughs> so I would sit there with Nutella and a heat pack and, um, you know, my favourite TV shows and, yeah, naprogesic. <laughs> well, it's a big list. And everyone's yeah. different, but there's certainly yeah. some ones which tick all the boxes for me too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, Ash Ricardo, thank you so much for opening it up about your endometriosis experience. It's been um, quite an eventful one for you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for all the work you do on this podcast. I think it's just incredible. Your your time and energy you've put into this is so important, and I know it's helped so many people. So thank you. Thank you very much. And one quick thing I wanted to touch on as well, and if you're not um, right with it, that's okay, but you mentioned as well that you had some miscarriages. For someone yeah. who has got endometriosis and they're trying to fall pregnant and they keep getting those negative results, these, these their bodies just are not letting them fall pregnant, what advice have you got? Oh, that's a tricky one. I think, I, again, I, it's about getting as much information as possible because not all miscarriages have, you know, a signal that there's anything wrong. One in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and it's completely normal. It's the body self-correcting and so it's not necessarily endo. I don't know for sure that the miscarriages I've had, I've had a few now, I've had about five and no one can tell me for sure if it was the endo or not. We just, Mm. you don't know, it could be a mix of things. So I'd say hang in there, um, you know, just have faith and get get yourself armed with information and, you know, make those lifestyle changes. I think that is really key. The lifestyle changes um, can help enormously. 
Thank you so much to Ash Ricardo for opening up about her endometriosis journey. You can find out about her and all of our other ambassadors, plus make a donation to Endometriosis Australia. Please consider it because your donations will help support us to keep on delivering free information and education like this. The place you can go to is endometriosisaustralia.org. Thank you so much for listening and looking forward to chatting to you in the next couple of weeks. Stay safe. Bye-bye.